Welcome to A.T. Stewart and Sons Ministries. I'm your host, A.T. Stewart. I'm glad you've chosen to join us today as we look into the Word of God. So take your Bibles and let's hang out in God's Word for a few moments and see what God would say to us today. In our study tonight, we're going to look at the doom of Christ's enemies. And we are, if you have your events, the schedule of events to take place before and after the return of Jesus the Messiah, we are all the way down to Roman numeral 4, the events after the return of Jesus the Messiah. And we are in the letter A and B. The Antichrist and the false prophet are thrown into the lake of fire, and Satan is sealed in the abyss for a thousand years. And today we're going to look at the doom of Christ's enemies. We saw last week that he came in great power and glory at the Battle of Armageddon and he defeated his enemies. And the scripture tells us what happened to those enemies. But I want us to look at it more in detail. There are basically three groups that his enemies fall into. The Antichrist and the false prophet. The kings and the soldiers who had gathered in the Middle East to make war. And Satan. If you have your Bibles, turn to Revelation chapter 19, and we will look at what the Scripture says, beginning in verse 20. This is after uh, he has defeated them. And we read in 1920, And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies assembled to make war against him who sat on the horse against his army. And the beast was seized, and with him the false prophet, who performed the signs in his presence by which though which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who worshiped the image. These two, that is, the Antichrist and the false prophet, these two were thrown alive into the lake of fire which burns with brimstone, the first group of his enemies, Antichrist, false prophet. And the rest, now we're talking about the kings and their armies that have assembled, were killed with the sword which came from the mouth of him who sat upon the horse, and all the birds were filled with their flesh. Now what happened to them? Did they go into the lake of fire that burns with brimstone as well, or did they go someplace else? Verse 1 of chapter 20. And I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key of the abyss and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold of the dragon, the serpent of old, who is the devil, and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years, and threw him into the abyss, and shut it, and sealed it over him, so that he should not deceive the nations any longer, until the thousand years were completed. After these things, he must be released for a short time. So Satan is chained in the abyss. And when we seek to understand these verses, many questions arise. What is the lake of fire? Is this hell? Where do the soldiers and the kings go after they die? Do they also go to hell or some other place? What is the abyss where Satan is chained? Is it the same as hell? Now, for us to understand these verses, we must get an overall understanding of what I call the nether world, the world beyond this life. Now, I'll admit the Bible is not as clear as I'd like for it to be. There are many mysteries yet unsolved about this unseen world. Therefore, it's difficult and probably problematic 
problematic to be dogmatic, but nevertheless, I want to share with you my thoughts on it. Perhaps we can come and increase your understanding of these matters. Now, there are four regions that comprise what I will call the netherworld, the world after this life. The first one is Sheol or Hades. This basically is the abode of the dead. This is where people go when they die. This is the unseen world of the dead, the unseen world of disembodied spirits. At death, the spirit leaves the body and goes to Hades or Sheol, same place. One is just the Old Testament word is Sheol. The name of it in the New Testament, written in Greek, is Hades. Now, let me give you some examples. Over in Isaiah chapter 38, verse 10, King Hezekiah, faithful king, found out he was going to die. This is what he said. In the middle of my life, I am to enter the gates of Sheol. I am to be deprived of the rest of my years. And then Job in chapter 7, speaking about death, he says, When a cloud vanishes, it is gone. So he who goes down to Sheol does not come up. Again, it was the idea that when a person died, their body stays here, but that immaterial part of them, soul, spirit, goes someplace else. It doesn't stay in the body. It goes to the place in the Old Testament known as Sheol. In the New Testament, it's known as Hades. For instance, over in Revelation 20, verse 13, it's a place where people who are dead go, as we saw in 20, verse 13. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every one of them, according to their deeds. And death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And then over in Luke chapter 16, Jesus told the story of Lazarus and the rich man. And you remember in that story found in Luke 16, Hades is divided up into two parts. Hence you have the diagram that I've given you, the circle. The top part is called Abraham's bosom or paradise. And this is where believers, Christians go when they die. This is where their spirit goes. Jesus also said there was a great chasm between Abraham's bosom and the bottom section, which is known as torment. And they are not able to go across. In torment, or excuse me, first let's look at uh, Abraham's bosom. All right? It is a place where we are alive, we are conscious, we are at rest, we are at peace. Now, torment is a part where there is great suffering. They are conscious. They are suffering in flame. No one crosses over. There's that great chasm. This is not purgatory. Purgatory, a person stays there until they've paid their debt and then they get released. No teaching of purgatory in Scripture. And this is not purgatory. This is where they go when they die, awaiting the final day of judgment that will come after the millennial kingdom. This is called the prison house in 1 Peter 3.19, when it says about Christ, in which he also went and made proclamation 
to the spirits now in prison. When Jesus died, he went to the place of the dead, Hades, and he proclaimed to those in torment that they had rejected him and rejected God's truth, and therefore they were forever doomed for the judgment that awaits them. He told them of God's plan of breaking Satan's power over man and that they had chosen Satan and his way. This proclamation in the Greek doesn't carry the idea of giving good news, but it's the idea of giving a verdict, of giving judgment. Also it says that they are under punishment. Second Peter 2.9 says the Lord knows how to the Godly want how to save the godly ones from temptation and to keep the unrighteous under punishment for the day of judgment. Right? So it's a place of suffering. It is a place of punishment for the wicked, for those who are apart from Christ. Hades, torment, is not hell, but it is a place of constant agony and suffering. Refer to the parable Jesus told. And someone says, well, that was a parable. It's not meant to be taken literally. I agree it's a parable, but I don't think Jesus would give us false information about the afterlife when he told a parable. I think he would tell a true truth about afterlife. So I think we can gather from his parable truth about life after death. But torment is not hell, but it's a place of constant agony and suffering. It is a small foretaste of hell. It is a place where the spirits of unbelievers are kept until the resurrection of the wicked and their final judgment after the thousand-year millennial kingdom at the great white throne of judgment. Now, let's move down to the second part of your diagram, Hades after Christ's death and ascension. Right, I believe something happened when Christ died and ascended into heaven to this area known as Hades. Okay? And let's talk about what happened. First, the torment section is not changed. They are still kept there until the day of the great white throne of judgment. But I believe a change has taken place in paradise, Abraham's bosom. And this is A under number two. At death, Jesus descended into Hades. We see that in Acts chapter 2. Now, part of the confusion that we have over hell and Hades comes from the King James translation because the King James translators translate Hades as hell and they also translate the word Gehenna as hell. And they made a mistake when they translate Hades as hell. More modern translations have corrected this mistake, and they use the word Hades. In Acts 2, 27, Peter's preaching, and he is referring to the Lord Jesus. And we'll pick up verse 24. And God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death, since it was impossible to him for him to be held by its power. For David says of him, I was always beholding the Lord in my presence, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue exalted. Moreover, my flesh also will abide in hope, because thou will not abandon my soul to Hades, 
to the place of the dead, nor allow thy Holy One to undergo decay. All right? So Jesus went to Hades during those three days that he was, was dead, but he didn't stay because death in Hades had no hold on him because he had never sinned and he was the perfect payment for our sins. As I said earlier, when he went there, he preached to the spirits that were in torment. We see that in 1 Peter 3, 19. Now, I believe that he also broke free from Hades, as we see in verse 31 of Acts 2. He looked ahead and spoke, and he's speaking of David now, speaking about Christ. He looked ahead and spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that he was neither abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh suffer decay. Jesus broke free from Hades, from the place of the dead. He didn't stay dead. He came alive. He conquered death. All right? Now, also, not only did he break free from the place of the dead, but I believe he took paradise, the top section, and he took it away with him when he ascended into heaven. Now, I gather this from Ephesians chapter 4. It talks about Christ and his ascension. In Ephesians chapter 4, beginning with verse 8, Therefore it says, when he, Jesus, ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Now the expression, he ascended, what does it mean except that he had descended into the lower parts of the earth? I think he's speaking about Hades there. He who descended is himself, he was ascended far above all the heavens that he might feel all things. All right, I think what Paul is saying is that Christ descended into Hades. He proclaimed and pronounced judgment on those who had rejected him. He broke free and in doing so, he ascended into heaven and brought the captives, those who were in paradise, who were in Abraham's he took them into heavenly places with him. Okay? Now, look over in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. In this passage, Paul talks about having a vision, or he wasn't sure if it was a vision or if it really happened, but he got taken up into paradise. Okay? Now, it seems to me the way Paul is speaking about this that it's no longer down in Hades with torment, but he's speaking of paradise as it is now with God in heavenly places. Right? Listen to what he says and see if it doesn't sound like that to you as well. Paul says, verse 2, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know, or out of the body I do not know. God knows. Such a man was caught up to the third heaven. Remember I told you that there were three heavens. The third heaven was God's abode. First heaven where the birds and everything, and the second heaven the stars and all. Third heaven, God's abode. He says he was caught up to the third heaven. And, and I know how such a man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know God knows, was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words, which a man is not permitted to speak. Now, Paul indicates that paradise is the same place 
That's where God dwells, the third heaven. And so from this passage and the one in Ephesians, I think what happened from your diagram you can see that when Christ ascended, he took the top half with him up to be with God in heavenly places, in heaven. And so now when a believer dies, he goes to be with God and Christ in heavenly places. All right, where God is. Unbelievers still go to torment. Now, let's look at this condition of paradise now. When a believer dies, he immediately goes to be with God in heavenly places. Paul says, absence from the body is presence with the Lord. It's not some some in-between state where they hang in limbo. Now, some people teach that. They hang in limbo. But they go immediately to be with the Lord. Philippians 1.23, Paul says, I'm hard-pressed from both directions, having the desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is very much better for me to live as Christ, but to die is gain. So Paul says the moment he dies, he is with Christ. He even said death for the Christian is preferred over life. For me to live is Christ. To die is to gain. So he was torn between the two. How many of us are torn between the two? shows you the faith and confidence he had in God. Now, those who are in paradise are conscious. Again, I stress this because there are those who teach that they just kind of go into a sleep state, a state of unconsciousness. And then when the resurrection comes, they wake up. But Scripture says that they are conscious. You remember over in Revelation chapter 6, when one of the seals were broken and we saw the martyrs who were there at the altar asking God, how long must we wait for for our uh, vindication to come? They were conscious. And God spoke to them. So that indicates to me that it is a conscious existence. It is also a time to be at rest. Look in Revelation chapter 14 in verse 13. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Right, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, for their deeds follow with them. So it's a time of rest. And this idea of rest, this word of rest was used in the Greek of, of a mariner that had spent his life at sea, and finally he had come home to rest. He had come home, he had finished his voyages at sea, he had finished his hard labor, and now he was at home contented to rest. This idea that we will be a time of contented rest when we're with our Lord. Also, they will be blessed. Again, he says in this verse, blessed are those who die. So it's a time of being blessed. It's a time of being conscious. It's a time of being with God. And it's being in paradise. Jesus told the thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. Okay, so it's... Not as great as heaven, but it's a great place and a lot better than anything going down here on this life. But it's just a warm-up for how great heaven is going to be. I don't think, I don't think people can look down from heaven and see us down here. I really don't. I don't think so because I think it would be sad. I mean, if they could see us, and they could see us all the time, I think it'd be sad. You know what I'm saying? Uh, 
And that, plus, not only that, but let's face it, folks, you and I don't hold much much attraction compared to the face of Christ. And when you got opportunity to look at Jesus, why would you turn away to look down here at us mortals suffering and going through our hardships and difficulties and hard times? Now, you know, we get comfort sometimes when we think, I bet, you know, old grandmama's looking down here on us. But I, I think she's looking at Jesus if she's up there. Let me tell you, she's looking at Jesus, and she is so enraptured with Jesus. She is so complete and filled with being with him. She's no sadness there, just total happiness. All right? So that covers the Hades, after Christ's death and ascension. Now let's turn to number three, Gehenna. Now this is the final state of the unsaved. You have what's called by theologians the intermediate state. That is, when you die, you go to the intermediate state of either paradise with God in heavenly places or an unbeliever to suffering in torment. But you're in Hades. But the final state for the unbeliever will be Gehenna, which is rightfully translated hell. It's used 12 times in the Bible. Jesus used it 11 of the 12 times. In each instance, it's used as the place of the final state of the unsaved. Mark 9:47, Jesus says, If your eye causes you to stumble, cast it out. It's better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hell where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Now, Gehenna, and that's the word Jesus used, Gehenna was actually a place south of Jerusalem, the valley of Hinnon. As I have told you, I have actually walked through hell. I have walked through the valley of Hinnon. I was over in Jerusalem. It's a park now. They've turned it into a park. But in Jesus' day, and in the Old Testament day, it was the seat of the idolatrous worship of Molech. They would offer their children as sacrifices to be burned alive to this pagan god in this valley of Hinnon. Therefore, the Jews considered the valley of Hinnon to be a place of rank, defilement, and filth. And by the time Jesus came, it was the trash. Keep of town. It was the city dump. It was where they took all the dead caucuses, where they took their sewage and all the trash. And it was constantly burning, even as I remember the day when our city landfill, well, they were just called city dumps back then. But they used to be burning. They would try to burn the trash. So it's very similar to that. It was just a place of just burning and filth and defilement and associated with just everything that is is unholy and, and filthy. And so when Jesus uses that word, Gehenna, to speak about hell, he's referring to that final place of agony and suffering, that place of moral filth and Degradation in which the unsaved will remain for eternity after the judgment. Now, many times in the Bible, hell is mentioned without using the word Gehenna. Rather, it's described such as a lake of fire burning with brimstone. 
It's also called in Second Thessalonians eternal destruction. And it's important because some groups, Jehovah Witnesses for one, say that you'll be annihilated, that you'll cease to be, that hell is not eternal. But Scripture says it is eternal destruction. It's also called outer darkness, the place of eternal punishment. Now, the Antichrist and the false prophet were thrown into hell after the battle of Armageddon. They are the first people, first humans to be in hell. Nobody's in hell right now. They will be the first humans that will be thrown into hell. All right? After the great white throne of judgment, which we will see in more detail in the future, the unsaved, the Christ rejecting, will be cast into hell. You see that in Revelation 20, verse 15. So we've looked at Hades, an immediate place of the dead. We've looked at hell, the final resting place of the wicked. Now let's look at the abyss, where Satan is placed for a thousand years, where he's chained the bottomless pit. I've talked about this before. It's not Hades. It's not hell. It's the prison house of evil spirits. It's used nine times in the New Testament, seven times in Revelation. Some demons were allowed to roam the earth after Satan was cast from heaven. Others are too vile and gross, and therefore God has locked them up in the prison house known as the abyss. You remember when Jesus cast the demons out of the man called Legion? He, the demons begged, don't send us to the abyss. They didn't want to go to this prison house of demon spirits. You also will remember when the fifth trumpet of wrath was blown, this prison house was opened, and we saw a host of demonic spirits ascend from that bottomless pit, and they had the sting of scorpions, and they would make people very sick, but they were not allowed to kill people. Also in Revelation chapter 11, we saw last week, the spirit which invades the Antichrist comes out of the abyss. In Revelation 20 verse 3, finally Satan is thrown into the abyss and chained and sealed there for a thousand years. And after that thousand years, he'll be freed to bring one last rebellion, and then he'll be cast into Gehenna forever. There's another word, Tartarus, T-A-R-T-A-R-U-S. This is another name for the abyss, and it's spoken of in 2 Peter 2.4. Then we have the final state of the saved, which is heaven. And we'll look more detail about heaven in the future. All right, just to review, some of you look confused. All right, you have these various regions or sections of the afterlife, the netherworld. First, you have Sheol or Hades. Depends on whether you're talking in Old Testament or New Testament. Same place, just a different name. Okay? This is the place of the dead. This is where the spirit of a person goes when they die. In the Old Testament, if they were a believer, it went to Abraham's bosom. If they were an unbeliever, it went to torment. Now, when Jesus died, he went to Hades. He went to the place of the dead. He proclaimed judgment to those who had rejected Christ. He said, you have rejected and God's judgment is on you. But he broke free this paradise section 
and took it up to heaven with him when he ascended into heaven. So now the paradise part of Hades is in heavenly places with God. Now, now the pearly gates and the golden streets hadn't come yet. Nobody's walking those streets yet. That doesn't happen until we get to the final state, that heaven in verse 5. Okay. Now, then we have Gehenna, which is the final state of the wicked, which is known as hell. It is that place of great agony and great suffering and great pain, and it will last forever. Somebody asked, I think it was John Wesley, if he thought it was literal flames. And he said if it wasn't, he thought it would even be worse. You know, burning is one of the most painful things that uh, you can encounter. But that's Gehenna. The Antichrist and false prophet will be thrown into that. After the great white throne of the judgment, unbelievers will be cast there. Then we have the abyss, the bottomless pit, the prison house of evil spirits, where God has and put in prison demon spirits that seem to be too vile and wicked to roam the earth. They will be released, some of them, during the trumpets of wrath. Satan will be put in there after Jesus comes back, and he'll have to stay in there for a thousand years. And then we have heaven. This is the golden streets. This is the pearly gates. But it won't come about until after the thousand-year millennial kingdom, after the great white throne of judgment. Then John says he saw heaven descend as a bride. And I think that's going to be here on earth. It'll be a refurbished earth, purified earth. But I think that will eventually be here on earth. All right, that concludes our study for tonight.